Hey there, welcome to the Just Boldly Go podcast, where we help women and a few cool dudes face their fears, set goals, make game plans, and generally take their current circumstances by the balls so they can live a life they can't wait to get out of bed for every single day. All right, so I've done an interview with this lovely lady before, the lovely Sonia Feher, but I have her back because we had such a good time the first time, and she's like multi-passionate, got a lot going on, so I will let you tell my listeners what's up well the interview before when we were doing the podcast was about my happiness work but today in preparation for the new year and resolutions makers we're talking about organizing which I've been doing for the last 10 years and totally accidentally got into the profession and it's the best work I've ever done so I love talking about it I'm excited to talk to you today that's awesome. I know that, like, I think of myself, like, I'm not organized. I'm not. I'm just going to say it. I'm not organized. I have the capacity to be organized, but even my organized is not actually, like, it's organized for me, but it's not, like, actually organized. So <laughs> what, where, what is your best tip for people for, like, actually getting organized and not just throwing things away or you know, putting stuff in places that it doesn't belong or right. how well, do they get so, started? So what you're talking about, about you are organized, but only for you. Yeah. That works really <laughs> well if you live by yourself, but I don't. <laughs> if you have a family or a partner or whatever, a huge um, part of my work with my clients, because I specialize in family and women and creatives who are not organized, right, is setting up a system that you don't have to be the middle person of, right? I am. Oh my gosh, I am. Right. And so it can be as simple as labeling bins and the shelves that the bins go on. If you're talking about a pantry, for instance, where I can't tell you how many moms I have talked to in particular who are so aggravated like isn't it obvious that this is where the (laughs) blah 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 no it's not it's obvious to you but other people are in there trying to help unload the groceries or cook or whatever you don't have it labeled they're putting it back where they thought it went so my biggest tip would be if you don't want to be in the middle of everybody else's business and telling them what to do all of the time label it smart like so smart because Honestly, so my husband's been home a lot lately because of COVID and he's a contractor and, you know, whatever. And the kids are all home because of virtual school. And there's not a day that goes by that I don't get asked a million times, where is this? And I can tell him exactly where it is because I know where everything in this house is, but nobody knows but me. So right. that's a really right. good tip. <laughs> well, and the, the, one of the things that I teach clients is about as far as where things go, figuring out the place for things is, okay, we're going to use a prime real estate equation of where do you use it? How often do you use it, right? So right. frequency of use and proximity to where it gets used equals, this goes in the prime real estate. So it's going to go at eye or chest height in the room where you're working. And right. 
Higher chest height, if you've got a four-year-old, might be the bottom shelf of the pantry or the second shelf of the bookcase. So they've got their own prime real estate. So you're doing it based on the members of the house, but figuring out like, okay, where should it go? And if you've got a logical system for why you're placing things, places then part of what you can do too is educate the rest of the family. Like this is how this goes, or this is why this goes there. So that if they're making a guess, they can make a more educated guess. That makes sense. That makes sense. My husband will, if, if I don't put things away quickly enough, he'll put them away and then they're lost for the rest of all eternity because he just sticks them somewhere instead of where I think they should go. And maybe we should just, you know, after 25 years together, have a conversation about where things should go. <laughs> well, and you know what? My clients complain about their housekeepers for the exact same reason. Yeah. They're like, they put it back in the wrong place. It's like, well, okay, so let's one, just acknowledge that a housekeeper's job is usually not to put your stuff away. They're going to clean it. And if you haven't fixed the surfaces so that they're picked up, they can't clean. So right. they're moving stuff out of the way and they're trying to help. So one of the things that I have people do is have a basket. It could be one for each room, or it could mm -hmm. be like a laundry basket that the housekeeper is carrying around the house. So then instead of trying to put things away where they are guessing yeah. something should go, they're putting it in baskets so that you can then take the basket. They've cleared off their surface and gotten it out of the way. And then after they leave, when you're feeling super inspired that the house is clean, right? <laughs> my and favorite now you've feeling. Got energy for picking things up or whatever, you can take that basket and go put it away because it's all sparkling and, and new. Right. Um, and you could have your husband do that too, though, really, with people in the household, having them actually know where things go is preferable. It's a lot easier. <laughs> it's better. So a few years ago, um, my son had this, uh, it's most of our bedrooms, our house is really old. It was built in 1904 and not all of the bedrooms have closets for reasons I have not figured out yet. One of uh -huh. them had an extra huge closet and I, I had no idea what to do with it. Like there was weird wire shelves, but you couldn't get yourself all the way to the end of them because it was really narrow and it was just this big mess and this big space over here. And I uh, ended up having a, an organizer much like yourself. Like I sent her a video of it because she was in Louisiana and said like, what, what can I do with this? Because I have no clue what to do. And she's like, oh, do this, 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 this. And like have built shelves in the small spaces and like rearrange this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're such a freaking genius because I don't think like, if you don't have a brain like yours, like I have no idea. I'm looking at this space. Like I have no idea what to do with this. And so it's really valuable to just ask somebody who has the brain that does these things instead of just trying to muddle through it yourself. Well, I mean, it's the same thing as like you working on a website with somebody and you've got the shorthand for this is why you would do it or this is how you pick yeah. a color palette or this is why you would have these buttons on a menu and it's totally logical to you. But, you know, for the rest of us, it's like, well, I think somebody I knew look, you know, did this and like <laughs> that on that website, right? right? I didn't realize how visual I was until I started doing this work. Because I have three English degrees. I had spent my life at desks, on paper, computers, or whatever. And I started doing the organizing work. And it was like, 
oh, this, it's like I can see it moving around and what, in a way that they've discovered part of what happens with disorganized people is that they just don't have the same spatial reasoning. And so when you're estimating, and I tell people like before they go to the store and buy a bin or a basket or any kind of storage solution, you have to measure because what you think is true doesn't actually add up to the numbers. And so I can look at it and go, oh, that's probably uh, blah, blah, blah. But other people should not do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, that makes me think I should just let my husband organize everything because he does have that and I do not. And he'll, I'll be like, no, that's just right. He's like, you need to like, just let me do this because you are not good at this. And he's always right. Like sometime I'm going to have to admit that he's always right about those things, about those things, not about everything, but right. Right. So, you know, one of the things that I usually do towards the end of the year, beginning of the next year is decluttering. And I know, you know, obviously that helps with the organization because you get rid of the crap that you don't need anymore and you have less to organize. So what is your, what is your personal best tip for getting rid of stuff? Because I know so many people like my mom in particular, she's kill me for saying this, but she cannot throw away anything. She's attached in some way to everything in her house. So how do you get rid of those kinds of things? Or What's your best tip? Let me get. Okay. So, well, I've got a few tips, but the thing that comes to mind based on what you said about your mom is that you can keep the memory without having to keep the thing. Okay. Because a lot of times what people are doing is saying, but I wore this then, or so-and-so gave me this. And it's attached to the memory. And they're somehow thinking, if I don't have that anymore, then that event ceased to exist in my life. Right. And that doesn't have to be true. So part of what I'll have people do in that case, if they're particularly attached to the thing, is take a picture of it. You know, like we'll do some photo organizing for them and they can create folders. They could even create a scrapbook where they're typing in the caption and the memory and the story and the whatever. But then you don't have to keep the, you know, Venetian face mask that you bought when you were on a trip to Italy in high school. It can just go away now. Yeah. I don't know. I, I do have a Venetian face mask that I bought in Italy, but I'm keeping it because I really love it. <laughs> so it's about, do you really love it? Right? right. And I mean, Marie Kondo's stuff about, does it spark joy? I feel like it's too high a bar. Yeah. Not everything sparks joy. So the, right. the strategy that I use with clients is, I mean, first off, we're talking about keep what serves you and let go of the rest. And so figuring out what serves you is important. And so we go to a thing, and instead of saying, does it spark joy? Because, you know, your hammer, probably not. Yeah. I mean, you might hang a picture on the wall that then sparks joy, and the hammer works in service of that. But if you start going through and you've got that bar for everything, people get on this crazy kick. They throw everything away, and then they're out looking for a hammer that sparks joy, and spending a whole bunch of money replacing what they already have, right? Yeah, so that makes sense. What I'll have people do is we look at a thing and we say, does it make me feel lighter or heavier? So <laughs> you like might that. love something, but it is associated with somebody that's no longer in your life or a time of your life, whatever it is, where every time you're looking, even at this thing that you love, it makes you feel heavy. It's like pushing a bruise. So 
For instance, I had a pair of earrings that I got on my honeymoon. Maybe my favorite pair of earrings I've ever had in my life. And after my divorce, every time I looked at them, it was this whole loop of memories about the honeymoon and the whatever, anytime I was going to put them on. And I kept them for, I don't know, maybe five years after the divorce, trying to dissociate the memory and be able to just put on the earrings and not have that. It didn't work. And so eventually I got rid of the earrings because as much as I loved them, they made me feel really heavy, you know? So giving yourself some places like the new year or like I'll do before a holiday is coming up, a gift giving holiday, whether it's Hanukkah or Christmas or a birthday, um, I will have my clients get rid of stuff in anticipation of getting new stuff. So You know, a lot of people will set resolutions and start getting organized in January, but if you can get rid of stuff in November, December, before stuff comes in so that you've got a place to put those things, it's a motivator right there as opposed to an arbitrary date on a calendar of when to set a resolution. And it's a really great motivator for kids of like, hey, we need to make room for the new toys, books, clothes, whatever it is that they're excited about gaming equipment, you know, um, so let's get rid of this stuff that you don't play with anymore. That reminds me, I used to do that to my kids. I'd tell them that Santa couldn't bring them new stuff if they didn't donate some of their old stuff. (laughs) They're they're too big to do it now, so I don't do it anymore, but I really should. Like, they just should get rid of some stuff because they have too much. And Well, if you set some times of year where it's natural to do that, right? So, before gift giving holidays or birthdays is great for toys and books and stuff like that. Before the beginning of the school year too yeah. is great for bookshelves, desk drawers, whether they're virtual or in person, just clearing out that old stuff is yeah. really helpful. But I have people put um, a date on their calendar that they're going to switch out clothes seasonally too, mm-hmm. that their whole family is going to do it. So I'm in Texas. We really only have two seasons here. So I have my clients do it here in March and October, but Mm -hmm. you know, for people with four seasons, you could do it every three months or whatever. But so you put a recurring appointment on the calendar for the first weekend of March every year, first weekend of April, whenever it's going to start warming up for you. And so it's going to repeat every single year of that appointment. You give yourself a reminder for the week before it's going to happen, you know, Mm -hmm. as a reminder alert again with your calendar so it pops up, so you go, oh, right, I'm supposed to do that next weekend. Wait, we've got so-and-so's party, or we're going to be out of town, or I'm working on this project. Okay, I'm going to move it to the following weekend. So you reschedule that year's appointment right. to a time, and every and you let everybody in the house know we're going to be doing this. And so you know at least a week ahead of time that you're going to be doing it so that when people start putting clothes on, they can go, oh, I never wear this, and have a basket at the bottom of their closet, which I keep there all year long, Mm -hmm. a basket at the bottom of your closet, where when you put something on and you're like, oh, it's stained, it's got a hole in it, it makes me look whatever, you know, that color's not good on me, etc. You put it in the basket. But if you know this seasonal clear out is coming, then you can do that, or you say, okay, that's what Saturday is going to look like. I'm going to put on and take off every single thing that I own and decide if I'm packing it up for next year 
or moving it to the back of the closet or whatever it is. Yeah. But if you can have some set times where you're looking at what is happening in life that would cause a need. So for Thanksgiving, for instance, I'm going to be in cooking, doing all of this stuff, or I'm going to have people coming to visit. That's a great time to say, I've got to clean out the pantry in October to get ready or at the yeah. beginning of November. So if you can look at a calendar and say, when are my natural clean out times? Instead of relying on, I'm going to be motivated to do it or remember it or whatever, it's, I'm going to put it on the calendar with a reminder, then you can do it with the kids or your, yeah. you know, the whole family or yourself or whatever. And it keeps, if we're living in the same place and we don't have the like motivation of I've got to clear out because I'm moving and I don't want to pack and carry all of this stuff. You've got to give yourself some other reasons to do it periodically so that you're just not building up a ton of clutter, you know, and stuff yeah. that you don't care about, but somebody else would love to have. Right. And I think about my uh, husband's grandfather died maybe 12 years ago now. And when I think about all of the stuff that had just accumulated in his house over 90 years of life, it's unbelievable. He lived there for 60 years. You cannot imagine the stuff that he had like, just piled up in his house. And right. that's one of the motivators for me is that I don't want, if something happens to me, my kids have to go through all this crap. So I just get rid of it when it's, when it feels like the right time to get rid of it instead of just hanging on to everything forever, which actually you just gave me the idea that I'm going to go through our Christmas decorations are up. I, you can see them. People listening won't be able to see them, but, um, right. but we have probably 12 tubs that they bring down from the attic every year that has all the Christmas stuff in them. And more than half of them have broken bulbs and broken village houses and all that stuff. I'm just going to go through them in, this afternoon and clear them all out because why are we hanging on to that of, stuff? Right. This is the time of year to do it. And I'll, you know, if I start working with a client in February, I'll say, okay, in November, we are going to do it. Because nobody wants to pull that stuff out. Yeah, no. And they aren't already dealing with it. And yep, so exactly. if you can use the calendar as your impetus, your cat catalyst for doing it, it's totally worthwhile. Yeah. The absolutely. thing that you made me think of with the grandfather story, though, is in addition to the junk that you don't want, you know, your kids or anybody to have to go through. The thing that I um, realized when my sister died, I knew it already from working with clients, but it became so very clear. You know, people make a will for what's valuable and what's supposed to go to whom. Mm -hmm. But the stories of this sweater that I love, that I wear all the time, and this is why I love it, or this book that I pull down and I read on a regular basis, or my favorite poem, right? Those are the real treasures. I mean, monetary value in a will, whatever, that's awesome. People want that. Right. But the thing that gets lost are the stories and the favorites. So, yeah. you know, we were going through my sister's bookshelves, and I knew some of her favorite authors or whatever, but, like, what is that passage for somebody that doesn't book in to, you know, like, book, yeah. mark the page of a book or whatever? So, one of the things that I have people do too is put together those stories. Like, so when you're thinking about a will, you can also think about, okay, what's my legacy? What are, what's, what are my memories or my stories? And you write that stuff down. That's good. This is yeah. my go-to song for when I'm happy. This is the pair of boots that I found at some, you know, 
thrift store that fit my whole life or whatever, those things, when you're going through people's stuff, that's, that's the treasure, right? That's what I love that. Love that. Genius. See, this every single time we talk, something great comes out of it. <laughs> well, the thing, so I said, you know, I kind of backed into this work. Um, with the organizing, I know a ton of professional organizers who are just organized. They always have been. They're neat freaks. They, you know, and so in some ways that can be really good for some clients, but for other clients, they're like, no, you're just telling me I should just blah, blah, blah. You have no idea how hard it is for me to just do a 10-minute cleanup before bed or just what put stuff back where it goes or whatever. There's a whole other level of organization for, I don't know, right-brained people, creative people, people with ADHD, just whatever it is. You're really yeah. busy. And that had always been true for me. I had tons of piles. I have ADD. I, you know, like... I've got my degree in poetry, so I fit all those stereotypes. And what happened was when my kid was two and I'm in the living room and I can't find something and I'm feeling pissed off at my kid, my two-year-old kid, right? right. I can't, and you know, I'm not yelling at the kid, but I'm aggravated in my head and I'm thinking this isn't his fault. Right. I'm the one, I'm the one in charge of where things go. And if I don't put them where they go, then we can't leave the house for the play date because I don't know where his shoes are or I don't know where I put the diaper bag or whatever it is. And so I'm missing the window and then he's going to need his nap and he's going to fall asleep on the way to the park or whatever it is. And it was just like, wait a minute, like I can control the environment, but way easier than I can control the child. Yeah. And for me, it's an anxiety management thing, too, of if I'm in a calm space, my mind is calmer. Just like we were talking about with the housekeeper, and yes. you're so inspired to clean, it's like, oh, stuff is put away. Now, I can actually do the work that I need to do because I'm not looking at all of the stuff around the house that needs to be done. Yeah, absolutely. That's, so, I cannot work if my office is cluttered. I have to clean up before. Otherwise, I'm sitting here like but then I'm noticing all these things around me, so I have to do it first. Right, but then your energy for, like, your good work first thing in the morning. Yep, I actually have a a post-it above my desk with a Tim Ferriss quote that is, make before you manage, which I need as a reminder every day, and right below that it says focus in all capital letters. Mm -hmm. Um, I... If I spend the morning piddling around and trying to clean stuff up so that I can actually think before I work, then my real creative juices, I might miss my window. Now I'm hungry. Now I'm sleepy. Now a kid is interrupting me or a client's calling or whatever it is. And so that whole thing of like, I can pick up, not clean, but pick up, put the stuff away in every single room of the house can be picked up in 15 minutes or less. Yes, that's our goal too. That's exactly our goal. Like there's just no clutter. Just keep the clutter away. And then it's a lot easier to deal with. You don't get Mm -hmm. so overwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah. But so I, I was, my kid was three now. I had been practicing the, 
okay, I'm figuring it out. I'd already taken every time management, organizing class, any job I've ever been in, you know, to try to get these skills that were so challenging for me. So I've been working on it. And then I'm in the middle of my divorce. My kid is three, um, going on four. And somebody emailed me from a group that I was facilitating saying, emailed the whole group saying, do you know anybody that could help me organize my papers? It's like, I'm great at organizing. Hire me, which I am. For other people, I've always been really good at creating systems and knowing where things should go and all of that. And so I ended up, you know, I was in the middle of like, do I have to sell my house? Do I have to go back to high school teaching and put my kid in full-time daycare? What am I going to do for work? And um, I ended up working three years, word of mouth, no business card, no website, that's doing awesome. organizing for people that were getting divorced and for stay-at-home moms is where it started. That's awesome. Um, and it was like oh, all of this like hard won, what is the logic behind it? I, I need to have a motivation. Why would I want to do this thing? Because I'm not naturally somebody that needs it, needs it to be totally clean, mm-hmm. you know? It was like, oh. I get it. I get what this system does for me. I get what having the right place for something does for me. And so when I work with clients, I'm able to understand why it's hard for them. Yeah. So that we can figure out how to make it easier for them. Yeah. You know, as opposed to, right. You've probably watched the HGTV or DIY network show or read the better homes and gardens or whatever magazines or organizing books and it all seems like such a good idea, but then you're trying to do it yourself and the system just doesn't fit you. Right. Like in terms of the biggest tip ever for a client is that you have to accept yourself for who you are and change the system or create the system to fit you right. as opposed to thinking that you're going to change who you are to fit some other system. It just, it's not kind. Yeah. Right. It's not a kind way of dealing with yourself to constantly feel like you're doing it wrong. And, and you've just got to do it some other person's way. It's like, okay, let's figure out what makes sense to you. What would work for you as you are, who you are. If you just love that and accept that, then we can support that as opposed to some other, you know, what I call aspirational self. The you that <laughs> the you you hope you are, I wish you were everything yeah. up and right. Yeah, we're just not that. I think you bring a real, really unique perspective to the organizing thing from going and figuring it out yourself. And that's probably something that a lot of organize people who are natural organizers and you know have everything in its place all the time can't really comprehend. And they're not gonna those clients aren't gonna identify with them because they're going to feel like I can't do this. It reminds me of my husband is really good with money. And historically, I have really sucked with money. And when I was in my debt and in the worst part of it, he gave me a template, the template that he uses for his budget. Because we we have different, we keep our money separate because he has his business, I have my business, and, you know, it's, it's, it works for us. So he's, like, giving me the way he uses, you know, the thing he uses to manage his money. And I'm like, this does not work for me. Like, as much as I want to do this, and I, I totally believe it works for you, that doesn't work for me. Like I cannot do that. 
And I, it took me a couple years to find a system that did work for me. And once I did, he's like, I don't know how you even use that. And I'm like, well, like we're so different. You, I can't force myself to be as organized as you are in that area. I have to do it this way. And, you know, I, like you said, what, if you're trying to shame yourself into being something you're not, it's just going to make it more difficult. So whether it's organizing finances or your house or whatever, you have to do what works for you. Well, and especially if it's a thing that you don't like doing in the first place, right? You add on the shame or the guilt in addition to trying to do a thing that you don't even want to do. Right. That's horrible. Like, that's just, that's no good at all. I actually have to do that with time management stuff. So I have time organizing clients, right, where we're Mm -hmm. figuring out schedule and priorities. And I've got two different sets of tools. Like, I've got the set of tools where... You can break your day down into 15-minute increments. You know when you're driving to pick up whatever, you know, all of that. I try to use those forms, and I feel like I'm crawling out of my skin. Yeah. You know, like for people that really are regimented, but I can't do it with a menu either. I make a menu of this is what I'm going to eat for the week, and I get to that day, and I'm like, I don't want to eat that. I'm not (laughs) going to do that. Right? So – whether I'm doing time management people for people or I'm doing meal planning, I help people set up meal planning systems. I've got the, okay, you can follow a menu system. You're going to do what you said you were going to do. Um, okay, fine. Here are the tools for you people, but I'm not one of those people. So for me, like I have a to-do list and a to-da list that doesn't have anything to do with time. Yeah. With you know, when I'm not in COVID and I'm out running around and seeing clients in person instead of virtually, I will block time into my calendar that is for my to-do list time. Mm-hmm. But my to-do list itself has four quadrants. One's for personal, one's for work, one's for home, like house stuff. Mm-hmm. And another one is for out in the world stuff. Yeah. And that way I can make sure I'm keeping a manageable list in each area that it's not, oh, I'm really my aspirational to-dos that are never going to get done, and then I'm going to feel like a failure. And then I have a ta-da list that goes with the to-dos. It's on a separate sheet of paper. So as I'm crossing stuff out, as opposed to just, oh, I never did it. I have no idea where I spent my time. What have I spent the last eight months of COVID doing in my life, sitting in my office, right? How does it all (laughs) add up to something? So the ta-da list, anytime you do anything – you, you know, all those steps that add up to the big goal where, you know, oh, I did that. I launched that. Yeah. Yeah. But that took 50 different things or 150. Right. All of those 150 things go on your to list as you go and it can keep you motivated and show you, oh, this is how I'm spending my time. This is what added up to this. Um, And the meal planning stuff, it's like, okay, we'll do a two-week menu so that you know what meals you could make in a particular time period, and you've got the groceries for it for that week, but you don't have to have it on that certain day. Right. If you're not somebody, you know, like, if you're going to be rebelling against it, why? Yeah. Make yourself do something, you know? Yeah. So. I'm just glad I'm not the only one that does that. Without fail, like I might do Mondays and Tuesdays, and then we get to Wednesdays, and I'm like, mm, no, I don't even like that right now. <laughs> right, right. Well, and the thing for me is, I'm not going to make food every day. 
Yeah. That's not, that's not how I work. Right. So I'll make a big batch of stuff on a Sunday and then a big batch of stuff on a Wednesday. So I can just eat leftovers. Like I might make two meals worth of things on a Sunday so that I can alternate leftovers for the first, you know, first three days of the week. And then I'll make something new when I'm getting sick of that. Um, Super smart. Well, it's just, I can talk to the clients and you know, you as an individual without talking to an organizer can talk to yourself and say, okay, what do I need? What's missing? What's broken? What's frustrating? Okay. Is it that it needs a place? Is it that it needs a time? Because to organizing, even the happiness work I do, it's all about, I want to be happier. I want to struggle less. I don't want this obstacle in my way. So you identify the obstacle and then you can figure out what's the solution for me. Yeah. Yeah. So the last thing I want to hit on is something that you said earlier about how, you know, you're going through the divorce and somebody asked in this group who can help me organize. And I freaking love that you were like, I can. And I think that's something that not so many women do and more women should do is even if they just have an inkling that they can do something, they should absolutely put themselves out there because that really saved the day for you, right? Like, I mean, you said you didn't know where you were going to do, you didn't know how, you didn't know what was coming next. Right. And three years worth of business just from right. one yes. Right. And right. I love that so much. Like, it's unbelievable how much just putting yourself out there, even when you're not 100% sure. I mean, it sounded like you were pretty sure, but even when you're not 100% sure, can be well, just such a game changer. I was sure that I was good at organizing, but I don't, I didn't know what that meant right. in terms of working for people. And I actually, one of my jobs, I'm the director of education for Organizer Club. I run their insider program, training other professional organizers. And one of the things, and I, it's mostly women, right? I would say probably 99% women. And the conversation we're having all the time is how do you put yourself out there? How do you get over being afraid of sales? How do you be vulnerable enough to say I'm doing this and hope that somebody's going to take you up on the offer, you know, and it is, you're right. Like putting yourself out there and saying, I can do this. I can help you. You know, if we use that instinct of I can help you as opposed to I'm pointing to myself in one of the other formulaic ways that people are making sales, right? Right. If you come from the perspective of, oh, yeah, I can help you with that. I know how to do that. I can help you with that. Then you can figure out the rest. Yep. I love it. Love it. Thank you so much for joining me again. And remind my listeners where they can find you and, like, what you have offered right now. And, yeah. All right. So my website is spacewiseorganizing.com. And I offer virtual organizing for people anywhere in the country, I guess, anywhere in the world, but, you know, time zones have to work to help with space or time or happiness, emotional decluttering, organizing. And this coming year, I'm going to be launching an organizing for families course uh, to help people. So maybe you don't want to set up individual sessions with a coach or you'd like to do that some but you feel like if somebody would just teach me how then I could do it myself well I love teaching that's my favorite thing so um I will be announcing the 
the course when it's up on my website and people can follow me on Facebook, um, you know, facebook.com slash organizing. Perfect. Thank you so much for being here. And any last bits of wisdom for us? Um, I think really the question of how do I keep what serves me and let go of the rest can apply to absolutely anything, whether it's the dynamic in the relationship or the family of who has what role or who knows where things go, or it's the work of this is who I've always been or what I've always done. I don't want to do that. We're following rules. We don't even know we're following. And so you can declutter that kind of stuff, bringing it to consciousness, whether it's a physical item or a belief or whatever, and let go of what no longer serves you. Life is better. Love it. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you. It was so much fun. Thank you for listening to the Just Boldly Go podcast. You can check out uh, all we've got going on over at JustBoldlyGo.com. And uh, you can check out my book, Mom Versus Debt, How I Paid Off $64,000 in Credit Card Debt in Under Three Years Without Becoming a Stripper at MomVersusDebt.com.